I'm Brian McPherson, and this is the Athena Health Podcast. We're producing this podcast to help clinicians and staff better utilize Athena One so that Athena One can best support your patient care. Your partnership with Athena One comes with numerous tools to help you close care gaps and improve your performance in value-based care programs or quality programs, such as ACO, HEDIS, UDS, ECQMs, and MIPS. Once you've listened to this podcast, be sure to join a webinar panel conversation with Athena Health customers about patient outcomes measures on April 20th. You can find the link in the episode description or on the quality page in the success community. I'm joined today by representatives from two of our teams who work to support your success in these quality programs. Elizabeth Burke leads a team responsible for program and performance management of quality programs focused on driving success in value-based care across the Athena Health Network. Joanna Fomatis is part of our clinical coaching team, and she works directly with customers to help improve performance in their care and quality programs. Both are based out of Athena Health headquarters in Watertown, Massachusetts. So first, thank you both for joining us. Happy to be here. Thank you, Brian. So let's start with an overview of the way your teams support Athena Health customers in succeeding in quality programs. Sort of what, what does that support entail? Sure. So we know that the quality program landscape is complex and constantly evolving. Programs are changing or being added. I work on a team at Athena Health that's comprised of subject matter experts in various quality programs that you may be familiar with. So a few to mention are MIPS or the Medicare Shared Savings ACO program, as well as Primary Care First. My team is responsible for monitoring the regulations as well as the program requirements. And then we then take those and translate them into product and service offerings that enable you all to be successful in these programs. So as an example, we build quality measures that are updated to the latest measure specifications. And then we also develop program dashboards or scorecards that help you monitor how you're doing against these program goals. As much as possible, we identify any actions that we can take on your behalf so that we enable you to be successful in these programs, but also enable you to focus most of your time on patient care, which is um, what matters the most. So as an example, with the MIPS program, we are analyzing performance across our whole network of providers. And we will look at performance across that network and make recommendations. So we might make recommendations on measures that you're not enrolled in, but you're performing better in. Or we might make recommendations on alternative reporting periods um, that are higher performing. So these are some of the examples of, of how we try and help our customers be successful. And so even with that support, there are a number of actions that clinicians and quality managers at our practices do still have to take as part of this process, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, my team works directly with customers on um, coaching them on how to leverage Athena One um, and all of the resources that we have available um, for those quality programs. And while we do, you know, everything we can to support our customers and want them to be successful, uh, sometimes there's details about the quality programs that we are not privy to and actions that we are not allowed to take um, on their behalf. So we really rely on customers to, you know, understand um, what they want to be enrolled in um, and making sure that they update those program and measure enrollments. Um, that they take the actions that are needed to meet requirements. And we do send 
um, emails and alerts about what those are. Um, and then, of course, as Elizabeth mentioned, focusing on that patient care and closing those care gaps for patients, making sure they're getting their needed services um, is not something that we can do. Um, it's something that obviously clinicians have to do for their patients. And we send out a lot of information proactively to sort of drive that performance. What can organizations do to make sure they're, they're getting the information we're sending in a timely fashion? Yeah, we know there's a lot of communications um, that go out. In quality, um, we can target our messaging based on what programs and um, measures clinicians and organizations are participating in. Um, and we designate, um, we send those communications to the designated quality um, point person. Um, so if you don't have one of those, you can um, work with your CSM um, to get that set up. Um, and then they will get all of the um, emails and communications that are targeted and relevant um, specific to that quality program. We also do publish a lot of other reference materials, particularly on our success community. Um, we have knowledge articles. We have a series of webinars that we do every year. Um, and we have over 250 workflow guides for all of our quality measures. And one thing I hear a lot is that it's a lot. Um, you can't really go through all of those materials um, during your workday. So again, making sure that you have someone um, who is sort of designated to be that point person um, and maybe following the quality management topic on the success community um, it may be an easier way to um, track those resources and changes to them. And just to add on to what Joanna shared, with my sort of program regulations or performance hat on. Um, generally, when we're sending communications like emails or posting messages right within Athena One, um, these are messages that either sort of are oriented around actions that we need somebody at the practice to take, or we're surfacing opportunities to help you improve your performance. So we try and limit those communications, but when we do send them directly to you, they generally are pretty important. Um, the other thing I'll call out is that we are looking for ways to make our communications more targeted, intelligent, and really meaningful, but also trying to surface those in places where you're already interacting with Athena. So be on the lookout for this as um, we roll out new quality reporting experiences in the coming releases, but we want to start surfacing this information right in places like your dashboards or your scorecards. That sounds great. Um, so I know, you know, with it being April, as we're recording this submission season for 2022 just wrapped up recently. So let's take a minute, let's debrief a little bit on 2022 in terms of areas of priority um, for your teams, what went well, where we're looking for improvements generally, that kind of thing. How did 2022 go? Yeah, so um, happy that 2022 is finally over now that we're three months into 2023. Submission is definitely a really busy and also exciting time at Athena. It's when we're finalizing all your data, getting it into um, a state where it's ready to ultimately be submitted so you get credit for all that hard work that you've done over the past year. We breathe a sigh of relief um, when it's done, as I'm sure you all do. Um, I'm going to focus a little bit on, on MIPS in terms of uh, reflecting, as MIPS is our largest program. So in 2022, um, we actually supported the highest number of submissions program to date. Um, we supported submissions for 64,000 reporting entities, so spanning individual and group submissions. So that's a lot. It takes a lot of coordination across Athena 
um, but also with all of our participating customers. So just want to say thank you for your engagement throughout sort of that submission season um, and taking those critical actions. One trend that we've been seeing over the past couple of years um, with MIPS is late changes coming out from CMS um, that cause us to adjust our support um, very late in the game. And so this definitely poses challenges for us. In the past couple of years, the theme has been the automatic extreme and uncontrollable exception um, in reaction to the COVID pandemic. So that caused us to think about sort of submission decisions or how we would manage category reweighting. For 2022, um, the big change came, coming out from CMS that happened late December was that several of our highly enrolled quality measures within the MIPS quality category were suppressed. So that means that CMS decided there were significant changes to those measures and as a result, they wouldn't be scored. Um, this caused us to react quickly and sort of our primary focus was making sure we understood those regulatory changes, were able to communicate those to our customers. Um, and ensure that you all had a viable path to continue to be able to score well in the quality category as a result of this change. So we're getting good at, at making changes late in the game, although that's never our preference. So now that it's 2023, and like you said, it's three months in, but it's three it's three months in. So as, as we're looking at um, areas to improve for 2023, what have we started looking at as your teams are turning the page? Yeah, so... A big learning for us from 2022 was um, with respect to a net new offering that we provided for the MIPS PI category. So we were able to support continuous 90-day reporting periods for the first time ever. Um, historically, we've just supported the standard full-year reporting for this program. We know this has been a long-standing request from our customers, and we are really excited to be able to offer that service. Um, this is a service that enables us to tap into our network insights and help our customers to maximize their performance. Um, however, this new kind of service offering coupled with some challenges with public health and, and new requirements in 2022, um, made the execution of this a little bit bumpier than we would have liked. Um, and so we recognize the challenges of making these changes um, in January or February in the middle of the submission window and that this was disruptive um, to our customers. So big learning and takeaway from us is um, wanting to continue to offer this service, but ensure we're doing it um, in a less disruptive way for 2023 and enabling you all to achieve great results. I think I'll end on a high note, which is that, you know, we track performance across our provider base. And um, overall, we're expecting providers to, to have performed really well in 2022. And I know you mentioned that you're spending the whole year keeping an eye on potential changes with all these programs, but there are changes that we know about already at this point with these programs. So what has changed for 2023 with, with these highly used programs, especially MIPS? Yeah, that's right. Um, CMS always likes to make changes and, and keep us on our toes. So I'll note a couple of changes here, um, but we'll also point folks to a final rule webinar that we held earlier this year in February that goes into much more depth on all the 2023 programmatic changes, and that's available on Success Community um, On Demand. So specifically for MIPS, um, two changes I'll note impacting the promoting interoperability or PI category and the quality category. Starting with PI, um, we continue to see investment and focus from CMS um, with driving engagement with various different public health registries. 
So what this means um, for the program in 2023 is that um, we're going to be really focused on ensuring our providers are actively engaged with a new public health registry called electronic case reporting, um, also referred to as ECR. This registry is focused on real-time exchange of case report information between EHRs and public health agencies. So be on the lookout for more communication about our support with ECR and any actions you'll need to take this year. Um, next, to quickly touch on, on the quality category, quality continues to get harder year over year. So we're, you know, in the past, we saw bonus points be removed. For 2023, now the three-point floor for each measure is also removed. So every quality measure will be scored from zero to 10 points. Um, and sort of another un unfortunate thing is for those folks who really did great in MIPS in the past and tapped into that exceptional performance pool of $500 million, that is no longer available in 2023. So we're seeing the program get harder. We expect to probably see a larger distribution of scores. So some folks will get higher positive payment adjustments while some folks may struggle. Your rest assured, Athena is committed to ensuring you all um, remain successful in this program despite some of these changes. So Joanna, at this stage, especially in light of all these changes, what do you recommend that providers do to sort of set the stage now to be successful um, throughout the year? So looking at quality um, specifically, Brian, um, one of the things that I see most often um, is that um, many practices and clinicians are um, enrolled in a lot of number of uh, high number of quality measures, um, both programmatically and our clinical guideline measures. Um, and when you're involved in so many different measures, you're seeing, you know, maybe 10, 20 of those alerts on the quality tab in the patient chart. And it's just not feasible during a visit to address that many um, different patient needs. Um, and a lot of times I do see um, clinicians who are enrolled in measures where they may not even be performing that service. Um, and so updating those quality enrollments, taking a look at that, deciding which ones you want to focus on um, is one of the first things that um, we recommend in order to help um, drive improvement in quality so that then you can really use those tools in Athena One um, to make those um, alerts meaningful so that you know that you need and can take action um, when you see that in um, the patient chart. We have um, uh, two self-service tools that can help clinicians um, immediately. Um, we have a program enrollment page so that clinicians can um, and practice staff can go in and update their quality program and measure enrollments. Um, you can also always do that on the, um, for the clinical guidelines as well. Um, and then we also have a quality tab configuration page. So sometimes, um, particularly for practices and clinicians that are participating in multiple quality programs, they want to be able to report out on all the different versions of the measures, um, or sometimes clinicians have a preference for the workflow of one measure versus another. Um, so what we recommend is that you stay enrolled in 
all of the quality measures that you want to be able to report out on or need to be able to report out on for your quality programs, but then use that quality tab configuration to optimize what you're seeing in the patient chart, again, so that you have a manageable number of alerts and you only see the measures that you're going to take action on. Um, the second thing that I recommend for customers, again, for quality, um, is to monitor performance throughout the year. Um, so um, getting uh, those measures updated um, and then using um, the QMR, the quality management report under the quality dropdown um, to look at that patient data um, and work with your practice to um, educate on workflows, um, use a chart prep functionality, um, again, take action on those quality tab alerts during intake and during the exam. Um, That's really what helps drive quality performance. So some of our listeners may have heard about MIPS value pathways in that quality category that we've talked about. What do clinicians need to know about that at this stage? Yeah, so there has been a lot of lead up um, to the next iteration of MIPS, which is called MIPS value pathways or for short MVPs. MVPs are geared towards reporting specialty-specific measure sets. Um, the goal behind this is CMS is trying to reduce reporting uh, burden, so there's fewer measures within MVPs overall. And they're also geared towards enabling um, MIPS performance comparisons among providers in the same specialty. So if you're a cardiologist, you're reporting the same measures as other cardiologists, for example. Uh, key thing to note is that MVPs are optional. So traditional MIPS at this point in time is not going away. Um, we will continue to provide full support for traditional MIPS, and you can choose to participate um, in an MVP if um, that is appealing to you. Specifically from Athena Health's perspective, we are planning to support three MVPs this year based on feedback that we heard from you all. Um, the first is improving care for lower extremity joint repair. This is geared towards orthopedics. The second one is optimizing chronic disease management geared towards cardiologists as well as internal and family medicine. And then the third one is promoting wellness. This is geared towards internal and family medicine. So one thing that's different about MVPs is that if you're interested in participating in one, you actually first need to register with QPP. So registration just opened up the beginning of April and will run through November. Once you've performed that registration, then you'll need to um, enroll at, uh, with Athena. So we have not um, released enrollment support yet, but we are hard at work on that. So be on the lookout for more information in the summer release um, regarding how you can enroll in MVPs. If you're considering MVPs and not really sure what you want to do, um, again, it's optional, and you can also participate in traditional MIPS and an MVP. You want to submit um, data for both of those, CMS will ultimately take the higher score. So as we've said, submission for 2022 just wrapped up. It may feel like a long way until submission season for 2023 starts in about nine months, but that can happen quickly. Um, what can healthcare organizations start to do at this point now early in the first half of the year to set themselves up for to be successful this time next year? There's a lot, um, you know, as I'm sure... Uh, folks are aware quality uh, often requires a full year effort. Um, sometimes patients are only seen once in a year. Um, and if they leave that visit without getting a referral for a mammogram or their medications updated, um, 
you may not have another opportunity later in the year to close that care gap. So we see an uptick of questions towards the end of the year um, and as we approach submission. Um, but as we head you know, into those later months of the year, um, if there's a low performing measure, it's very difficult to, you know, identify those patients with open care gaps and get them scheduled and get them in and get the service all within, you know, a shorter span of time. So the more that, um, you know, folks can, again, using those qual that quality tab um, for those alerts throughout the year um, and working with practice staff to make sure um, you understand the workflows for those measures that you're enrolled in, um, then that's really going to drive performance. Um, and as Elizabeth mentioned, you know, for MIPS, you're only required to submit six measures, um, but we've seen CMS make those last minute changes at the end of the year. Um, so typically when we're working with um, clinicians and practices, um, we uh, recommend that they enroll in a few additional measures as well um, to make sure that um, they're able to submit as needed. And then so once everything's set up, you know, at this this time, first half of the year, those enrollments and that sort of thing, what do, what do practices need to do to sort of drive that success through the rest of the year? Great question. Um, so one thing to do is to um, be monitoring that performance. So we have the MIPS dashboard and we have an algorithm um, that will estimate your score throughout the year um, so that you are able to, um, you know, look at your performance and look at your performance against other um uh, Athena providers on the network and against the CMS benchmarks, which is part of our scoring algorithm. Um, and so you can um, sort of help drive performance um, by using those tools. Um, and in the quality management report, um, if there's a measure, for example, that you are maybe not doing as well as you would like to do, um, you can run the quality management report um, for your measures and look at patients who've come in recently who left with open care caps and see if there's, um, you know, some kind of intervention that you can make or raise awareness um, about that particular measure um, within your practice um, to help drive improvement um, again throughout the year. Um, and, um, again, really that's, that's what you want to focus on is making sure that you're in the measures and the programs that you want to be in, um, that you're using our tools to update your enrollments throughout the year as needed, um, and really avoiding, um, sort of those late actions, um, where there's a little bit of a scramble, I think, um, to get them done for submission. Um, so if you're doing your, um, you know, security risk assessment, which is a requirement for PI, you don't have to wait for the end of the year to sign off. You can start looking at that earlier as well. You've both talked a little bit about the self-serve um, enrollment tools that have been available since last year. As part of that, how can how can organizations sort of make sure everything went through and processed correctly when they're using those those self-serve enrollment tools? Yeah, so you've heard us talk a lot about enrollment starting to feel a little bit like a broken record here, but enrollment is so important because 
It has several downstream implications. As you heard Joanna talk about, it powers our reporting tools. It also drives what data will ultimately submit on your behalf. Um, and so one of the things that's really exciting is that now you have control directly within the product to manage your own enrollments. I'll just share kind of a couple of best practices and tips to make sure that everything kind of processed as you would expect. So first thing to call out is that when you're processing those enrollments, um, you may see some alerts that pop up. These are gonna be either sort of recommendations on best practices or specific requirements. So for example, with the MIPS quality category, you have to enroll in at least six measures. The other thing that's really important is enrollment is a two-step process. So first, you're selecting those measures that you want, and the second step is actually processing or completing those enrollments. We saw some practices get hung up on this last year where they completed the first step, but not the second step. So we wanna make sure that those enrollments actually process. You'll wanna allow about two hours um, to see those enrollments fully process, and then you'll know that it worked because you'll see them reflecting on different quality tools. So one place I like to go to check is the P4P dashboard. Um, there is also an enrollment report that's available in report library that you can use. Are there any other potential pitfalls um, that practices should watch out for at this stage? Um, I think it's paying attention to some of those basic requirements. So, you know, if we're looking at enrollment, are you enrolled in all three MIPS categories that you want to be in? Um, you know, are you monitoring your eligibility status, which shows in the MIPS dashboard? Um, that can be a little confusing if you have partis, you know, some, uh, if you're participating in an advanced, um, an alternative payment model, that eligibility is going to update throughout the year. So you want to be looking at that. We know it's confusing and we know it can feel like a lot, um, as Elizabeth was mentioning, her team, you know, monitors all of those regulatory requirements um, and we do our best to update them. Um, but, you know, we do see sometimes that um, there are deadlines that we all have to meet and um, the deadline for updating quality program enrollments is 1231. Um, sometimes, you know, providers, clinicians apply for one of those extreme and uncontrollable circumstances um, exceptions um, for CMS. If they receive that, they actually have to tell us a little bit early so we know not to submit their data. Um, because again, we're, we're trying to do our best to get the data in for everybody. Um, and so if you can use those resources that we publish, pay attention to the communications, engage with your CSM um, to meet those requirements in a timely manner, um, then you'll be successful. So this has been a lot, um, and we've really appreciated all your insight. Let's sort of like level set one last time on where we stand for performance year 2023. Could you walk us through, Joanna, the calendar a little bit in terms of what our customers can expect in terms of communications they'll get, some of those key deadlines, and when they'll see some of the important updates in Athena One as the year progresses? Yes. Yeah, so we update the quality measures um, right at the beginning of the year. So you have already seen um, some communications about that. As Elizabeth mentioned earlier, you know, our product teams are um, making updates to um, some of the newer um, MIPS requirements, such as those um, MIPS value pathways. Um, so you'll see those coming out and communications related to that um, throughout the summer. 
Um, the public health requirement for promoting operability for MIPS, um, we um, just sent out a communication um, about that electronic case reporting, um, and we will be continuing to update that information throughout the year. And again, letting folks know if there's actions they need to take, um, likely we will need that date um, that customers engage um, with the electronic case reporting in their state. And so um, those are things we'll be alerting um, all of our um, enrolled providers uh, about during the year. In the fall, we start gearing up. Um, we have a MIPS performance webinar, um, typically in September, and a submission readiness webinar in uh, November, where we go over all of um, the you know, tips and tricks and the requirements um, for the MIPS program and the other programs that we um, submit data. And um, one of the things that I think has been the most helpful is that we publish what we call our submission checklists for each of those programs, um, where we outline those deadlines that I mentioned earlier. Um, we link to resources. If you're not sure how to complete one of them, um, that can be really helpful um, to sort of work through systematically. Well, thank you so much to both of you for joining us. We really appreciate your time and expertise. This is it's complicated. It's complex. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to it all year long. We appreciate the work you put into it. And thanks for your time today. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Here's what else you need to know this month. Don't forget to join us for a webinar panel discussion about the patient outcomes measures on April 20th. You can find the link in the episode description or on the quality page in the success community. Features in the spring 2023 release went live in late March, including new tools to manage order delegation, as well as to better customize order sets at the point of care. If you have any questions about the new functionality you're seeing, be sure to check out the release center on the success community, as well as our conversation with Chief Product Officer Paul Bryant, which you can find in this same podcast feed. Have you checked out the Athena Health Marketplace lately? With over 350 partners across 62 capabilities and 60 specialties, the Marketplace enables you to curate your Athena Health experience under one platform based on your specific business needs. Over 70% of Athena Health customers use one or more Marketplace partners. Go to marketplace.athenahealth.com and filter by specialty or capability to find solutions that support your business, integrating seamlessly and powering the most open, scalable platform in healthcare. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to tell your colleagues to check us out as well. The podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can let us know what you think by email at podcast at athenahealth.com, especially if you have any topics you'd like us to cover to better support the way you use Athena One. We're working to create a thriving ecosystem that delivers accessible, high-quality, and sustainable healthcare for all, and we'll talk to you again soon.